this morning. All right. We, uh, Trace had mentioned to me, sometimes I'm in a zone. I know we have an, a number of folks that are either new today or relatively new. I want you, if you could do me a great big favor, sometimes I get snagged going here, there, and everywhere. I, I'd really love to meet. I'm just, I, I just see faces I haven't had an opportunity to meet. And uh, so all of our regular members and attenders stay away from me for, for just, now don't be offended, but I really, I, I really, I, I really encourage you, if I haven't had a chance to meet you and greet you, uh, as soon as service is over today, I, I'm just going to wander down here and take a minute just to get down here and I'd love to meet you and be able to greet you before I get snagged uh, going another direction. Amen. I'm going to try something right here. This section right over here, I want you to say, praise the Lord. Ready? Oh, man, that's good. I'm going to preach to that section this morning. You know, the reason I'm doing this is because I've noticed we're just a little quiet this morning. Did you notice that we're just a tad quiet? That's just not us. I I can't, well, I can't believe the youth are amening me down, though. That's hard to believe that the, but I guess you never know. All right, this section, right? how, How about a hallelujah from you guys? Ready? Now, I guarantee you, man, I'm going to be looking over at this side, all right? What, what, what else is next? Shamala Honda, have mercy. I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. I don't. Just an amen. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> all right. Now, what's left? Preach it, Pastor. Preach it, Pastor. <laughs> all right, that was fun. I'm just trying to loosen you up a little bit. All right. Last week we started our series on what we've entitled Turning You Inside Out. And we just began visiting about the inner man. For those of you that uh, perhaps have not been taught in this area, we mentioned last week that all of us have a, what we call a spiritual side to us. Unfortunately, the world recognizes that human beings can be spiritual. It's just how you define it. Many people will say, well, they're a spiritual person. That could mean anything from they are Christian and they're all out for Jesus to, you know, they just have embraced Mother Earth and they'll hug a tree and worship rocks. To be spiritual has to be defined. And so we mentioned that inside every human being is a part of you that is called your spirit, little s. Paul also uses the term inner man. Inner man and little s spirit is that that core of who you are. And that's the part of you that God interacts with. And the reason it's so important to know this is because all of us want God to interact in our life. If I were to ask again, and so why don't we just, you know, since I got you talking, I'll get you moving too. If I were to ask you this morning, has there ever been a time or is there currently a time that you've needed God to either speak to you move in you or somehow interact in your life that you would say yes would you just testify and say it helps to know that God's there yeah see we all want God to talk to us to move in our life and oftentimes it is frustrating we don't understand I don't know about you there have been numerous occasions in my life where I have been before the Lord in prayer and I've just wondered do you know my phone number do you got my address do you know I'm alive? Or do, do you care? And the thing that I began to learn was that it wasn't so much that God didn't care or that he wasn't interacting with me. It's that I did not understand how he interacted with me. And until you get a hold of inner man stuff, 
you will always be frustrated in your walk with God. And so, and so last week we began this study and I'm, I'm picking up on it. Last week we talked about understanding how God created us. He created us in three parts. You know, we were created in His image and just as He is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so we too are three, body, soul, and spirit. We talked to you about how our body was the shell of what we live in and our bodies are ruled by our senses. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we feel. Our body is ruled by our senses. In fact, and unfortunately, most of life is ruled by our senses. Our soul area. Our soul area is what we define as our mind, our feelings or our emotions, and our soul is where our decisions are made. That is where we process things and we make decisions. Now, if just just if I left it there, it ought to unveil to you a lot of interesting things. Because if you let your body rule and you let your senses rule, how many of you realize that that if what we see with our natural eyes isn't what God said or it's something the enemy's doing, then we can process these things all wrong and we can think wrong thoughts, we can feel wrong feelings, and ultimately we will make wrong decisions. And if you make enough wrong decisions and line them up one after another, what happens is your life moves to destruction. That's people's problem. People's problems are not that they woke up one day and their life is terrible. It's because they made some consistently poor decisions one after another, after another, after another. See, one bad decision won't always harm you. I mean, sometimes you'll get away with two, three, ten, twenty, and it won't harm you, but you start packing enough poor decisions together and it will lead you to destruction. That's why it says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. It seems right, but the way therein is what? Death. It will lead you to a place where your quality of life is terrible. Now, if Jesus said, I have come to give life and that more abundantly, if Jesus said that his design for our life was that it be filled with joy, peace, hope, that we were to have a sense of prospering, not just financially. Prospering isn't that you just get a lot of money. Prospering is that there's, a, there's just a wellness or a healthiness to life. And in order to get to that place, what must happen is that we must start putting together good decisions. Our problem is we make one good decision, then we make three bad decisions. Then we make a good decision, then two bad. Maybe we'll get another good one, we'll slip one in there, and then we'll, and you see, we never go forward. We've got to begin to put good God decisions, one behind the other, behind the other, and you begin making good decisions, and pretty soon, you're gonna be at a place where you're gonna distinguish yourself in the earth. Are you following me? And they'll look at you and say, how did you get there? Well, I put some good decisions together, and that's where I got. In fact, I put some God decisions together, and it becomes supernatural. So we talked last night that this is how, yes, last week, excuse me, that this is how God created us. Now we're going to pick it up here, and I want to talk to you about your potential. Once you understand how God created you, now you've got to begin to understand your potential in Christ. Now I'm going to read a couple passages to you here. That you've heard before, but I believe that if you'll allow the Spirit of God to help you, it's going to absolutely explode some incredible, hopeful, 
important things in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is what we read. It says, therefore, if anyone... You know what anyone means? That means anyone. (laughs) If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Keep your finger there and go back to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read one verse in Romans 8 verse 19. And then we'll get rolling. Romans 8, 19. It says, for the earnest expectation of creation. Now, don't let all the words of Scripture get you twisted or knotted up. All Paul is saying here is that in all of creation, there is an anticipation for something. Your neighbors are anticipating something. They may not know it, but they are. The whole world is anticipating and eagerly awaits for the revealing or the unveiling of the sons of God. What that passage means is that the world is looking for a person or a group of people who actually begin to distinguish themselves and demonstrate a quality of life that is distinguishably different from what everyone else is living. They really want to see that. They really want to know that's possible. And the good news is it's only possible in Christ. Now, Paul writes over and over again on this subject And they're very, very important words that he gives to us because it's through really his revelation of Christ in us that we begin to understand who exactly we are and what it is exactly we can do. If you don't understand what you can do in Christ, you'll never do it. Are you following me? Some of you have never seen great things happen because you never knew great things were in you because of him. Some of you have never seen supernatural things happen because you never were told that there was supernatural power working in you that just needed to be unlocked and, and unleashed. And so you've got to realize it's in you. Now, now the question is, what does it mean to be a new creature? I put this on the screen. I just want to share a couple of things that Paul was trying to communicate. The first word here, new, it's interesting. It does not mean new in the sense that, like, you know, I traded my used car in, which was an old car. And then I got a new car. It doesn't mean like it's just, you know, time sense. It's new. But the word new actually means a different quality of existence. You're a new person. You're the same biological person you were before you met Christ. But once you met him, there was a new quality of existence. In fact, the original language indicates something that prior to this point had never existed before. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? It means this, that before you met Christ, there was no potential. Before you met Christ, there was no possibility of the supernatural. Before you met Christ, there was nothing you could do that could distinguish yourself. You were just a part of the herd. But once you came into Him, something happened inside of you. It's called regeneration. Something was regenerated. Something was quickened. Something was made alive in you to where now there was, there was a distinguishable difference between you and somebody else. What was that difference? God, listen, God lives in here now. Doesn't that boggle your mind? God himself lives in here. The word creature actually is the Greek word for species. You're not the same species as you were before. You've been changed into something different. 
Now, you know, I'm 50 years old, and I, I have a hard time remembering back to when I was just, you know, three, four, five years old. I mean, the farther you get away from it, the harder it is to remember things. But there are a couple of memories that I have retained through the years that, for whatever reason, are just branded into my psyche. One of them is that when I was, I, I'm sure this was around pre-kindergarten or the kindergarten age area, and I'm going to date myself here, but I can remember my mom making me go take a nap, and that the deal was, if I took a nap, that when I woke up from nap time, Superman would be on the television. Now, I know if you're young in here, you've got images of Superman. We're talking, I saw the first run black and white George Reeves. Superman. I mean, we're talking the cheesy, technical, you know, if you've never seen one, go to YouTube and pop up cheesy Superman or something. And, and, and you'll see that black and white. But I wanted to get up and I wanted to watch Superman. And of course, Superman, as we know, came from another planet. And when he came from this other planet, he had superpowers here on earth that were unique to him. No one else had those same powers that he had here on earth. Now, it was interesting because the planet he came from, it wasn't that unique. Everybody apparently had this ability uh, on his planet. I think it was called Krypton or whatever the planet was called. But when he came to earth, suddenly he turned into this you know, person that could run, remember, faster than a, he could leap over in a, he could hold what locomotives and I mean, I mean, um, unbelievable powers. But in order to hide his identity through the day, he became the mild mannered reporter who Clark Kent, Clark Kent had these dark glasses and he was sort of just, you know, he just he just seemed weak and, and, and sort of cowardly. But any time there was a problem, at critical moments, Clark Kent would suddenly manifest, usually in a phone booth, into Superman. Now, there were times... And no matter what Superman you've watched, whether it was this the old cheesy one or the brand new ones, that, that there were times the whole world was in a predicament. The whole world was facing annihilation or destruction. The whole world was groaning and anxiously awaiting the manifestation of Superman. Right? You're following me. Whenever he stepped into a situation... Whenever he stepped into that crisis, he became unstoppable. His biology, now his biology never changed. He just, see, the key to Superman was, on his home planet, he was just like everyone else. But when he changed realms, he became this super guy. Our problem is, most of us live lives as spiritual Clark Kent's. And God is saying here through Paul, he's saying when you're in Christ, you have the capacity to begin to change realms. See, you've been transferred, the Bible says, from the kingdom and the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You have been moved from darkness unto light, from death unto life. 
It doesn't mean you've changed your molecular structure. It doesn't mean that you've changed your biology. I still eat. I still sleep. I still lose hair in the shower off my head. I just, I mean, everything's normal as a human being can be. But when I switch realms, I become a joint heir. I become a son or you become a daughter of God. We are ambassadors. Kings and priests, the Bible tells us. In fact, in the book of Acts, it said when these Christians showed up, they literally turned the world upside down. But you can't turn the world upside down until you learn to live inside out. See, people in the Bible prove this is possible. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. But everybody in the Bible, except we'll just we'll call Jesus, we'll set him to the side for just a moment and declare him to be unique. But everyone else in the Bible was born under the same curse you and I were born under. They were born with the same problems you and I've got. The same rules, the same conditions. These people we read about in the scripture were no different than you and I. They faced the same challenges, the same emotions. They dealt with the same issues of, of logic and rationalism. They dealt with all of these things just like you and I deal with. The only difference is they found a phone booth. Are you following me? There was somewhere Joshua found a phone booth. And when he stepped out of the phone booth... And he said, walk around this place seven times, six times quiet, one time shout, walls come down. He had the ability to be able to pray and God would literally suspend the rules of the universe. And the Bible says it this way, that the sun stops for 24 hours. Moses has the capacity to call down plagues. He has the capacity to part seas, touch rocks and water comes from it. Is that not amazing? These guys were born under the same conditions you and I were born under. Let's talk about Elijah calling down fire, raising people from the dead. You say, well, pastor, we don't see much of that anymore. I know we don't. Our problem is we try to justify our anemia where we need to begin to be challenged to step into another realm. We're trying to make everyone feel good about themselves in their powerless, impotent states. And I'm simply challenging us to say is that if these people born under the same conditions I was born in, then sure enough, if God is no respecter of persons, then somewhere in here, I should be able to step into that realm and see some of this stuff. I'm really believing revelations coming to you. Think about Abraham and Sarah had to overcome biological deadness in their body to procreate a child. Think about all of the disciples and what they've done. All of the same stipulations, all of the same issues. They were able to do it. But the key is they had a revelation. Hey guys, if you have those passages, post Matthew 19, 26, it says, Jesus looked at them, meaning the disciples, and said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Skip to the next one in Mark's gospel. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You see, they had this revelation. They had a faith. And we're going to begin in in subsequent lessons. We're going to talk about what faith has to be mixed with in order to access this. 
But they had a revelation that caused them to walk in faith that saw impossible things actually become possible. Jesus left us the promise that when we opened up our lives to him, he would recreate us to become, if you'll just let me follow the illustration a little bit further, supermen, superwomen. He just called them the sons and the daughters of God. He said that to anyone that receives him, to them he gave the right to become a child, a son, a daughter of God. That's amazing to me. I just, I just meditate on that and it just boggles my mind. The reason I'm just spending so much time on this is because, to be candid with you, I just think we're living in an era where there's this new philosophy that's sort of creeping in, that basically the church, at least the church in America, I think, is doing its best to try to identify with with people and, and, and with the world, and oftentimes it comes across like this. Hey, we want you to know that we're just like you. We want you to know we're just like you. We put our pants on like you do, we... We, we, we take showers just like you do. We just get ourselves tended to like you do. We're just like you. And you see it everywhere. You see it on bumper stickers. You know my favorite bumper sticker is, you know, we're not perfect, just forgiven. Which means to me, don't expect much out of me. Now, I understand what the purpose is. The purpose is somehow or another we're trying to be relevant. We're trying to identify where people are at. We're trying to reach them. And I'm all for relevant. But you see, I, I'm not identifying with their defeat. I need to identify with his victory. You see, they don't need another person to commiserate with. They need someone they can begin to look to and hear victory and possibility in their life. We announce to the world not to expect anything different from our life than what they're living. Do you think that gives them hope? They're crashing just as we're crashing. Now, I'm going to say this really humbly, but I'm not sure I'm going to get through this without just yelling. So I'll just indulge me for one yell moment. The truth is, I am different. And if you know Jesus, you're different too. Because God is dwelling in us. I belong to a new order called the born again bunch. I have access to the ability of God inside of me. I am unstoppable because he is unstoppable and he lives in me. I can petition him 24-7 and come into his presence boldly. I am in league with angels and have the full backing of his kingdom. Nothing is impossible anymore. If God be for me, the scripture says, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me can prosper. No fiery dart from the enemy can come that my shield of faith cannot extinguish. The supreme court of the universe has ruled in my favor. Who shall bring a charge against me? It matters not if it's tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or the sword. In all these things, Paul said, we are more than conquerors. We march with our mouths shut and lift up a a shout and walls come down. Lions' mouths are closed. The gates of hell, Jesus said, cannot prevail against his people. I am not like my neighbor. No, I'm not. Nor are you. If you want to be like your defeated neighbor, God bless you. I want to be like my risen Savior. That's who I want to be like. And if you're in Christ, you're not the same. You're you're not the same person. But the question comes, then why don't we see, Pastor, more of this 
Superman stuff in our life. I mean, come on, let's get back to reality. Reality is, I don't see a whole lot of it going on. So it must have either faded away, passed away, ceased. What in the world has happened? We don't see it anymore. Listen to me. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The reason we don't see it is because we don't preach it anymore. We're preaching the 10 steps to get along with your boss, which I want you to get along with your boss. But getting along with your boss is not nearly as important in ac- as that accessing another realm to where you can exercise dominion over the whole economic system. Are you following me? You see, we're preaching stuff that's not getting us anywhere. You, I learned this a long time ago. You're only going to get what you teach. You're only going to get what you declare. We may, not, we may not get to there. It's like I said. We might as well shoot for the stars and land on the moon than to shoot for nothing and make it. Because that's what we do most of the time. We shoot for nothing. And then we all go get our bumper stickers and tell everybody we, we just like them. Don't we feel good about ourselves? I'm just as defeated as you are. Hallelujah. Well, then why, why, why don't we see more of this, Pastor? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, an interesting verse here. The church at Corinth had a lot of supernatural activity going on in their midst. But they had issues. Major issues. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, he wants to talk to him. He says, I want to talk to you spiritual people, but I can't. You're carnal. What carnal means is, is fleshly. It means you're controlled by your senses. You're selfish. You're, you're turned inwardly. He says, you're just, you're just being babies. And uh, he said, I want to give you some solid food, but I'm still just giving you the the bottle and the formula. But then in verse 3, he says, for you are still carnal, you're still controlled by your senses, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? Listen, that last phrase is great. He says, and behaving like mere men. Is it not true? I mean, we're a full gospel church and we believe in the present activity of the Holy Spirit and we believe in all the different manifestations that God can come and bring. And I believe in all of those things. But truth of the matter is, we can hoot, holler, shout. We can pray for people, fall fall over, stack them up in the corner like cordwood. And we walk out of here still like mere men. Mere men, mere women. We've settled. We've settled for this. We've settled... We've settled in our life that I'm just going to be like everyone else. I don't want to be like everyone else. Maybe, maybe, maybe in some ways I am, but it, it, it's like I said, I understand my imperfections. I understand my frailties. I even understand the fleshliness that can still be exuded. But folks, we've got to begin to pursue possibility that's out there. We've settled for being mere men. And I'll tell you how we've settled. Number one. We have been conditioned by the curse of sin. We've been conditioned. Because we live in a natural world, we are being conditioned daily to the power of sin and mediocrity. See, I've, 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 I've gone through this. I understand. I teach a little bit longer probably than the normal church service. I understand that. Oftentimes I, I wrestle with that because I know people sometimes can't just lock in for maybe the time I, I use. But can I just share this with you? There's 144 hours in a week. And we're getting conditioned 143 of those to think and to walk as mere men. We are convinced in those 143 hours 
of how this is how it works and this is how it's going to go and there's no other way to look at it. There's no way to change it. And for maybe one hour a week, you get me telling you it's a lie. It's a lie. There's much more that's available to us as believers. We have over-magnified the power of the carnal nature and we have under-magnified the power of Christ in us. We look at each other and we say to ourselves, well, you know, that's just the nature of how we are and it's the nature of sin and we've got this. Hey, what about the nature of Christ? Second Peter 1 and 4 says that we have become partakers of the divine nature. There's something working in me that's far more powerful than what's working in the world. And so I, I've got to break out of that conditioning that's constantly barraging me. Telling me, you can't, you won't, it's impossible, it won't happen. Listen, listen, folks, next week I'm going to share some stuff with you all that if we don't get reconditioned to begin to believe God for that which is exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. But we've been conditioned by that. Secondly, we're slaves to our senses. People have asked on occasion what the word carnal means. Basically, it means to be ruled by your senses. Most of us are ruled by what we see with our natural eyes or what we hear with our natural ears. If we see something or hear something, it begins to condition us to think that's the way it must work. Why do you think Paul said that we walk not by sight, but by what? See, the Bible will mess us up every time. We've got to begin to walk by a different understanding. You see, when you're ruled by your senses, you'll always be powerless because your senses can only access the limited realm you're in. Your senses will not access supernatural ability. That's why if you're always trying to get God to make sense in your life, just give it up. I, we've, we've, you know, I've watched this for years. We'll, we'll visit with people and they'll throw everything on the table and then when something makes sense, we'll declare it to be God. Really? How many of you know God does things that violate our senses? I mentioned, I think, last week, Jesus spit in the ground, got some mud, slapped it in someone's face to heal an eye problem. I can assure you right now, if I were to do that, I would lose probably, well, maybe not you. But I guarantee if people heard about that, they'd think I'd lost my mind. And yet we'll run around going, oh, Jesus, oh, if only we had Jesus, if Jesus could be our pastor. Oh, let me, if Jesus was your pastor, he'd run you off. (laughs) It's true. Absolutely. He did it in John chapter six. One time he ran everybody off and then he looked at his disciples and he said, how about you? And Peter gave the glowing report saying, where else are we going to go? Doesn't that make you feel good? (laughs) I mean, that would really, that wouldn't, that wouldn't have helped my esteem any right then. Well, I don't got to, there's nowhere else I can go, so I guess I'll just hang with you. <laughs> well, thank you. See, the Bible tells us that we are to live and move and have our being in Him. In Him. That's where the supernatural takes place. Now, again, I'm just sowing into you expectation. I haven't even begun to talk about access. We'll talk about access. But if you don't. If you don't understand what's in you and how God created you, you'll, you, you won't access what's available to you. I uh, would recommend, if you've never read uh, Cho's book on the fourth dimension, I'd read it. I know people have criticized it and said it was crazy. But, but uh, you know, then again, I, I've not seen the miracles. 
Paul Cho has seen. I wouldn't criticize something until you got something better. So what's necessary for me to begin to be ruled by my spirit? Now, again, we're going to have to break out of this, this realm, this sense realm, and begin to be ruled by this inner realm. Now, whenever I talk about the inner man, invariably it happens. Last night, Trace mentioned that uh, I had this, this sickness come through. I guess that's what you'd call it, sickness. I didn't really actually get sick, but from about, I don't know, 11 o'clock or thereabouts to probably about 8 o'clock last night, I had about every 30 minutes that queasy feeling come. And I, you know, and, and I've often said the only thing worse than getting sick to your stomach is 30 seconds before you get sick to your stomach. That's, that's kind of my view of it. And, uh, and, and then the only thing worse than that is, is 30 seconds before you get sick to your stomach and, and you just aren't going to get sick to your stomach. So you're just left with queasy. And so about every 30 minutes, this, this breeze of queasy would come by. And, uh, you know, I'm the kind that we just, I just want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. <laughs> My wife's lived with me now for almost 28 years, and she knows that when I'm not feeling good, just leave him alone. Just leave him sit somewhere by himself. That's just how he deals with it. And so I'm there, and, you know, every 30 minutes, this, this, this wave of queasy's coming over me. And at first, you're just sort of, you know, because when you're feeling queasy, is it not, I mean, everything shifts to that. Is that not true? I mean, that's all you can think about. You ain't thinking about the Olympics. You ain't thinking about your next meal. You're just thinking about queasy. And, and so you're sitting there and you don't know whether to say, oh, God, just let me get it done or just, you know, or, or let it pass. But everybody's experienced that. And, and I went through it a few times until it finally dawned on me because because I just it you forget. But every time I talk about the inner man it appears as if I get this moment where sickness tries to come upon me. And I believe the reason that happens is because it is a challenge of the enemy that says, if you're going to preach it, let's see how good you are at it. And I'm telling you, when, when you've got that queasy thing, and you know, you know how it is when you're queasy. Ladies, some of you have been pregnant, and you know how this works, because there's, a, there's some time in there, you're feeling a little queasy, and you get a whiff of just the wrong thing. And I'm telling you, your nose can control everything. Following me. I mean, I mean, you, you know how it works. And that, that, that your senses are just, they're ruling you. And it, suddenly it just dawned on me, probably about halfway through. That just shows you, even pastor can be dense. But about halfway through it dawned on me and I said, the reason this is happening is because the rule in my life is being challenged. What's going to rule? Is queasy going to rule? And I know what we say. This is what we say. We say, well, sure it's going to rule because that's all I feel. See, that's our problem. We have allowed our feelings to be king for so long that when, it, when we finally say you're getting off the throne, it's hard. But there comes a moment where you've got to begin to what? You quote God's word, which is by his stripes, I am what? Amen. So what's more real, the queasy or his word? Well, you say, did you quote it once and it went away? No, I had to quote it about every half hour for about three, four hours. But then it went away. Do you understand? Rulership is always contended for. You have got to determine who's going to rule. And you can't just do it once and think, well, you didn't, it didn't work for me. I tithed once. 
And the windows of heaven weren't open for me. You know, I prayed prayer for healing once and nothing happened. Well, hey, come on. You have been so conditioned by your carnal senses that we're going to have to break out of this and understand that, uh, that, that to rule, you're going to have to exercise some energy. So let me go through this list. I, I've lost where I am. Number one, real quick. What's necessary for me to begin to be ruled by my spirit is that we got to get free from Satan's dominion. Real quick. Freedom exists in three aspects. Freedom exists in three aspects. You might want to write this down. The first one, salvation. You need to be enlivened, quickened, and born again. Amen, right? Amen, Pastor Baird. That's where freedom starts. Salvation. Secondly, freedom exists in deliverance. You need to cleanse the soul from the strongholds of the enemy and and close those open doors that drag you back into those bondages. This is very practical. If you can't break through on your addictions, if you can't break through on your lusts, if you can't break through on whatever bondage it is that you're facing, some of you, I mean, we've got new addictions. We've, I, I mean, I love Facebook, but there are Facebook addictions now. I mean, I mean, addiction can go across the board. And if you can't break out of that, then you need some deliverance. The third area of freedom is what I call selfishness. And, and so few believers get to this point where they actually are motivated out of selflessness instead of selfishness. And so that's when the soul actually yields to the inner man. And again, we will come back to these things, but until you're free from Satan's dominion, this is going to be a fight. And I'm going to share something with you. It is time we rose up and fought. Some of you right now could win. Your futures can be different. God has so much for you. Your destinies are incredible. Your promises are unbelievable. But you won't rise up and fight. Every time you get a, whatever the wind is, whether it's queasy or lust or addicted or whatever it is, it just barely blows over you and you shift and you go right back to being a mere man. You've got to arise. What do you say? Rise up, O inner man. Rise up, just talk to yourself. People will think at first you're being a little, you know, schizophrenic, but they'll get over it. Rise up. Rise up, O inner man. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. You say, I don't feel like blessing him. Well, I don't give a rip. Your feelings aren't on the throne anymore. See, are you following me? These three areas, now I'm going to tell you one more time why we do what we do here at Legacies. We certainly give invitations for people to receive Jesus Christ. We, we, we uh, share with people, we would really like for people to go through encounter. And, and when, they're, when they go through our encounter weekends, we deal with issues of deliverance and inner healing. And, and, and then when we get to consecrate, we talk about not just going to the cross and going through the cross, but there's a moment you got to get on the cross, Galatians 2.20 says. For it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives one more time in me. See, we want what's in us to come out of us, but we don't want to crucify the flesh in these areas so that they might yield to that which is greater inside of us. So we got to be free from Satan's dominion. Number two. You got to understand, as we've been sharing, your potential as a new creature. To be a new creature means that you have the legal right to access what your inheritance document, this book. How many of you know this is your book? 
This is your inheritance document. It's what it says, I have, I have. What it says, I can do, I can do. Whatever it says, I believe it to be true. And if it isn't happening, it's not God's fault. It's something probably on my end. Jesus, Jesus was an example because all Jesus did when he was on earth was he used his rights as a son. The Bible says that you and I are joint heirs. We are co-heirs with him and what he did we can do this isn't cult stuff this is bible stuff all right if you don't believe it you'll never access it number three i do believe that there comes a moment you got to stand without inferiority before god and i want you to listen to me real carefully here because part of charismatics problems were as that as we were teaching them confidence they got arrogant they never understood the difference between confidence and arrogance And so we have a lot of full gospel charismatic believers walking around full of arrogance and pride thinking they're just exerting confidence. And and, and, and we've got to distinguish this real carefully. You and I, listen to me, it is obvious, is it not, that you and I are not God. By the very definition of God, we are inferior. It is not what we do, it is what he does in us. We just happen to be the conduit through which he works. So truth is, when you come to the Lord in salvation, there should be a sense of humility. There should be a sense of brokenness and repentance. It was your arrogance and your pride that got you in much of the trouble that probably you were facing when many of us came to the cross. Your senses led you astray. But the Bible says a broken and contrite spirit God in no wise will despise. And he will lift you up and take up residence inside of you. And as he does that, he now says to you, come boldly to the throne of grace because I will give you confidence not in who you are, but who he is in you so that you can petition him with all confidence that what he said he would do, he will do. Those of you that have walked here at Legacy, you know us here. We will shoot straight on sin. And we will shoot straight on holiness. I'll just say it again. Sin is to be avoided. Holiness is to be embraced. Isn't that good? You know, if you put that on your refrigerator, it would get you so far. You know why, listen to me. You know why sin, sin is to be avoided? It's because sin drives you back to your senses. Sin empowers that part of you that is limited and corrupt. God says don't do sin. You know, God's a big God. You think you th- I mean, I know what people think. They're thinking, what's my sin? Why is it really going to offend him? You know what offends him? What offends him is the fact that you have settled for being a mere man when he has called you to be a son or a daughter. That's what offends him. You think, do you, I, I mean, God's not up there rooting for your demise. He wants you He wants you to be able to enjoy the benefits of being linked with him. And and this is something you have to learn. Because once you you press through to a place of victory and and you begin to understand how these things work in your life, this this can be a really helpful thing. Because a lot of us, you know, because we've grown up in church and and because we are committed to living a life that's that's pure, we want to live holy in these things, 
We've been told over and over again, avoid sin, avoid sin, avoid sin. And indeed, we should avoid sin. But listen to me. If I were to stand up here this morning and simply say to you, just keep avoiding sin, keep avoiding sin. It's like saying, don't think about the pink elephant. Are you with me? Don't think about the pink elephant. Stop it. There's a pink elephant thinker back there. Now, listen to me. Here's how you stay out of out of the carnal nature. This is, listen to me. This is going to help you. It's when you become righteousness conscious. It's when you begin to see what's available and what you have and the possibilities and, and, and what God has provided. And suddenly, all these other things look as what Paul says, they seem beggarly. They seem like nothing. It seems like trivial junk compared to the possibilities of what exists in Him. And we've got to reach the place where we stand before God and say, God, I, I see you, I, I respect you, I love you, and I know you've got incredible things for me, and I'm headed your way. I'm headed your way. And finally, number four, how does this be- begin to start? You've got to strengthen the spirit part of who you are. Listen to me, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. I'll say that again. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. If you feed your flesh, what grows? Yeah. See, these are just decisions. And if you feed your spirit, what grows? See, the American church is weak and powerless because we feed our need to be entertained. We want to entertain ourselves in the flesh and in our senses. And again, I'm all for how we communicate things. I'm all for sights and sounds and lights. And we got them here. We've got all these neat things. And I like coffee bars. I like drinking coffee. Amen. That's my go juice. I believe it's holy unto the Lord. So I've got no problem with this. I like skits. I like illustrated messages. I think all of these things can keep our attention. And, and, and they help us communicate. But these things will not part the seas in people's lives. We've got to feed the inner man. There's a reason God calls us to pray. There's a reason He calls us to meditate on His Word, to pray in the Spirit. The Bible says in Jude 20, if I pray in the Spirit, I will build up my uh, my inner man. It's the reason we sing. It's the reason we worship, we praise. It's the reason we hear the Word of God, to study, to show ourselves approved. It's because we've got to be strengthened by might in the inner man because I'm depleted on an ongoing basis. So folks, that's why we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. That is why we find ourselves in those moments where we're being resourced because as I'm being built up, it's, it's moving me closer and closer to that Superman that God has called me to be. And I'm telling you, if Moses did it, why can't I do it? And if Joshua did it, why can't I do it? And if Daniel did it, why can't I do it? And if Elisha and Elijah did it, why can't I do it? Don't you give me, don't you give me some highfalutin theological seminarian. I've heard it all. And I think it's all humbug. I'm going for what God says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to tell you this and I'm done. Some of you heard my story. I'm not going to tell the whole story. Years ago, my dog before Pugin was named Shunny, Shundai. I know. It's just a weird sense of humor. And you know, there was a day we got Toulouse, and Toulouse had to get 
neutered or fixed or whatever they call that thing with a cat. And, and he came home, and of course, Shunny had been with us for, I don't know, 13, 14 years, probably by that time. I don't know how long, but, but, but you know, Toulouse was this, this just cat that was supposed to cost me two bucks and 20 bucks. And I had to get him fixed, which was, I don't know, $100. And then I had to get him declawed. That was a couple hundred bucks. And then he had an eye problem. And, and then because, you know, we didn't want a blind cat or a one-eyed cat, you know, that cost me about $1,000. And so we had this cat that was just, it, it ended up costing me a lot of money. And anyway, we got him fixed. And he came with what we call the cone of shame. And, and as the story went and i'm telling it very very quickly he uh he was relatively new and and shunny had been there for the years and and they used to chase each other around everywhere and and when it was all said and done there was one time that that shunny was chasing the cat around here there and everywhere now you got to understand the cat's got one eyed sewed shut he's got this cone on his head he'd just been neutered no claws i mean it doesn't get any more pitiful than that and the dog's chasing this cat around. And all of a sudden, they stop. And I'm watching this. They stop in the middle of the floor. And the cat gets back on its hind legs and it throws its clawless paw up in the air. And they're just staring at each other. Now, imagine the cone, the eye, no claws. I mean, they're just standing, staring at each other. And it was the most pitiful thing that you would have ever wanted to watch when Shunny was looking at the cat, and the dog could have taken the cat, and it wouldn't have been a match. But the dog just drops his head. And kind of like, it's kind of like Eeyore the donkey. In Winnie the Pooh series, just kind of sort of slinks off. And the cat, you know, the cat's just, until he finally... Drops his paw. And of course the joke was in order for him to walk with the cone and the one eye, he had to walk like this. <laughs> and from that point forward, Toulouse owned the house, man. And, and the point of that story, when I used to tell that story, and it was about a 20-minute story. But the point of the story was that there came a moment when a one-eyed, neutered, clawless cat exercised dominion over the dog who was the ruler and the owner of the house. Are you following me? And there are times that you and I may feel like we're a one-eyed, neutered, clawless cat. But there was a moment, that cat, that cat reached a place where he knew who he was. Are you following me? Now, let's go forward just a few years. Now I got a new dog. The cat is now. Nine, ten years old. I don't know how old the cat is now. But the cat is getting older. And so we've got the new dog, Pugin. Pugin's fearless. I mean, he's this type A dog. And I mean, he's only about that big. But I mean, he'll go after the big guys. I mean, it is the most amazing thing. He had, he, and he's a puppy, which he, means he doesn't have any sense. He just has a puppy brain. And so... So he's running around, you know, and the, the cat and him are always fighting. And of course, it hasn't really been settled yet. But the day had to, the day had to arrive when he had to go in and, and we had to kind of clip Pugin's wings. And he got fixed as well. 
And he came in with this cone of shame. I mean, I, I mean, it's the most pitiful thing whenever you put an animal in that cone of shame. I, I mean, incredible. And I would have thought with a cone of shame, you just got clipped. You know, you would have thought these things would have taken the zip out of them. Oh, 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 no. I mean, that dog came in and saw that cat. And he went right after that cat. The, the most hilarious thing in the whole picture was, is that they used to tear through this really narrow place between a piece of furniture and a wall and i mean they're tearing around the house and the cat zips through that narrow place and the dog's running at full puppy gallop and he hits that thing and of course that cone's about that wide you know and he hits that thing and man it just it just sends him back reeling and it's hilarious watching it and i i had literally i had forgotten about how toulouse had had this same thing happen to him years ago and the most amazing thing in the world was is that the dog just got up, just kind of shook its head, and you know it has this that puppy look. And he just he's it doesn't stop him until he finally stops the cat and he likes gnawing on the cat's ears. And of course you got the cone of shame on there. How do you get to the cat's ears? Well, he gets the cat down and he gets his head stuck right over the cat and he's gnawing on his ear. You can't even see the cat. The cat's under the cone of shame too. Just the, it is, it's a hilarious picture. And we have tried and we have tried and we have tried to just say, Pugin, leave Toulouse alone. As if he understands that. And it just, it, how come animals are so much smarter than we are? You see, Pugin, when Pugin came, just like when Toulouse first came to that house, he had no authority in that house. And it didn't matter whether he was clawless, neutered, one-eyed, cone of shame. He knew who he was, and he stood his ground, and he won his house. Now, years go by, and suddenly, instead of being super cat, he falls back again into being just a mere cat. And Pugin shows up. Doesn't know any better, except that he's going to rule now. And despite being clipped and zipped and coned and everything that can be done to an animal, he's going to exercise his authority because he's decided he's going to rule in that house. Listen to me. You may have been born again last week, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Our problem is, for most of us, we go back to being just a mere man or a mere woman. I'm amazed at what God does in the life of brand new people, brand new believers. I'm always amazed because you hear miracles out of their life. It's because, it's because they've not been conditioned by the rest of us what they can't do. So they just believe they can do it until finally we preach to them long enough that that stuff ceased. And then suddenly they go, oh, oh, I can't. I can't be healed. Okay. And then we're, they're, they're, they're trained out of it. Hear me now. It is time. It is time. You may feel like you've got your cone of shame on. You may feel like you're at a place where, where you are anemic and impotent and powerless. I want to share this with you. God is calling us back to being sons and daughters. Now, I didn't tell you how to access it yet, did I? You've got to believe it's there first. 
In fact, it's so simple. If you'll just start believing it's there, you'll be amazed at how even your prayer life and the answers to your prayer begin to happen so much more consistently. It doesn't take a lot of information. It just takes believing the right information. Amen. Stand with me, will you? Father, I pray this morning that you would begin to move by your spirit in this place in a very special way. Lord, these are your people. And your people were designed to do great exploits. They were designed to do amazing, over-the-top things. Lord, you wanted to distinguish yourself in these people's lives in special ways so that the world could see that you were who you said you were. Lord, I pray right now for those that are feeling impotent and powerless, for those that have felt like they've given away their authority and they've given away their Lord, their inheritance. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would begin to enliven them and quicken them and open their eyes to see again what it is that they have in you. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you this before we go this morning. How many of you would be honest enough to say this morning, Pastor, I have felt, to be candid, like I've just been a doormat in the world. I've been a doormat with the enemy, it seems like. I just, I've lost a sense of victory and I've lost a sense of prevailing and triumph. I don't feel like I'm more than a conqueror. I feel like most of the time I've been conquered. How many of you would be honest enough to say that's me? I, I, I live in a lot of defeat. I live in a lot, a lot of defeat. Father, I ask you right now, you see these hands. Lord, I pray right now you would turn them around in the name of Jesus so that they would begin to know and experience right now an infusion of divine hope that they can do what your word says they can do. Lord, all of us, all of us will admit, we'll just get it on the table. We admit, Lord, there are many times it seems like the very thing we know is your will and word does not come to pass and we're challenged and we're frustrated but Lord it's not about you not wanting to do it it's about us keeping our focus and moving and pursuing the things Lord that cause us to prevail Lord I pray right now that you begin to infuse your people again Lord let them begin to know and see who they are the potential they have
hear the voice of God come out of the inner man. says, I am breaking black over this man and this household. For I have seen your heart and I have heard the cry. Yes, the cries have gone up. The man and the woman of God, the cries have ascended. And the Lord said that, 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 that you have said, Lord, we would want to do more. Lord, we would, we would like to step out more. But Lord, you see, you know. And the Lord says, yes, I have seen and yes, I have known. And yes, I have seen your heart, and I have seen the heart cry. And I am moving, says the Lord, to finally and once and for all break lack and the spirit of poverty. I am breaking the voices and the power of those voices, saith the Lord, that are speaking against you, that are even bringing you back into old ways and into old things. The voices of doubt and unbelief. I am silencing them, says the Lord, and I am causing a new wind of faith and a new wind of belief and a new grace to come over you. And don't lock yourself in even where you're at even at this moment, says the Lord. For I am going to bring you to a good place. I am taking you to a good land. I am bringing you to a new season. And I have done this thing and I have catapulted you into it because I have sent my word to do that thing even this morning, says the Lord. Hallelujah. God wants to speak to you right now out of your inner man. Oh, God, give us ears to hear. 
that you might know that I am who I am and that you might be able to trust me, saith the Lord. For I, I, I'm going to do some sovereign things here in the next, the next short period of time because I need you, saith the Lord. I need you to arise in faith because I'm calling you to a different walk. I'm calling you to a faith walk. You shall not always be this way, saith the Lord. For those that do great things for me will have to walk in great measures of faith. And, and so it is for you that I will build you up and I will lift you up, saith the Lord, and I will meet your needs. And I will come through and you will see me. But know, saith the Lord, that I am putting in you an enlargement, a greater capacity, saith the Lord, to believe me for great and mighty things. For I have not called you, nor have I called your household to just get by. I have not called you to just barely make it. But I have called you to exceed and to thrive. Yes, I have called you even to handle great sums of finance in order that it might be funneled into kingdom purpose. And though you've not seen that with your eyes, know that that is my heart, saith the Lord. And I'm not called you just to link up, but I've called you to oversee and to superintend. And the Lord says, I'm doing these things. And yes, it is a season to refine and to cleanse and to do some great things inside of you. But do not be discouraged. Do not be defeated. I know where you live. I know your address. I know the doors that need to be opened. Yes, even the deal that is being held right now that has not come through. The Lord says, I will bring the deal through in order that you might see it with your own eyes. Do not, do not let it just be a moment where you say, well, that's good, but rejoice in me, saith the Lord, for it is to encourage you to believe me for even greater and grander things, for greater my plans for you. Great is the future, because I will do it. I will do it in you, says the Lord. Hallelujah. your name I can't I'm not guaranteeing like a prophetic word don't misunderstand right now but right now if you're needing to hear from God I believe the heavens are open to talk to you right now and you need to step out and say Lord I need to hear something from you today and and I believe that if your heart's open to that that the Lord will begin to impart maybe some things some hope some direction that's you just slip on out. Come, come here to the well real quick before we leave this morning. I can't. I'm not promising prophetic words here, but I'm just saying that you need to hear God in your inner man on some areas. Just come on right now. You need to hear God in the inner man right now. Lord, these are people that need to hear. Thank you, Lord. I, I, you're just saying, Lord, I need my ears to hear. I need to hear. I need to hear. Oh, my heart right now. Carol, give me your hand right now. Father, I thank you for this woman. Lord, I thank you that she came with a good report from her past. I thank you, Lord, that there's probably no greater affirmation that one can get than when a pastor, a former pastor, is able to say, there's a jewel 
Lord, I believe you've seen, you've seen uh, Carol and where she's at and what she's going through. And she, she, she moved from a place of comfort, Lord. And the Lord says, I know I, I, I took you out of the place of comfort, saith the Lord. I brought you out of a place of, of familiarity in order to bring you to a land that you know not. But I tell you, saith the Lord, that when I took Abraham from a land that he knew not, not knowing where he was going, it was there I was able to release the inheritance. And the Lord says, where you think you've come, which is a desert, will become your destiny. A place that you have come which you thought you were cast away, God says he will crown you. And the place you thought where nobody knows and nobody cares, God says, I have taken note and I care and I will begin to release an inheritance into Carol's life. The Lord says, I am doing a work behind the scenes. Yes, there have been hardened hearts. Yes, there have been words that have come that, that, that don't appear to be anywhere near the kingdom. But the Lord says, I'm changing those hearts and I'm changing those words. And the Lord says, even your deepest desire, I, I am moving on, saith the Lord. I am doing this thing. Hallelujah. And the Lord says, even, I tell you, there's great financial things that are happening right now. And the prophetic word is coming just to break through in that area. There's some things that have been held up. I don't know if it was a sale that was held up or something was held up. And it needs to it needs just to be tight, uh, tidied up, loosened up. Lord, let it be loosened up, tidied up right now. Let those loose ends be put together in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that Carol would know, God, she is in the right place at the right time in the center of what you're in, up to and into. And that, Lord, great is her future in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Give real quick. Hear God. We're listening, we're listening, we're listening. Speak, oh God. Speak, oh God. Speak, oh God. I know you. Come with your name again. Richard? Because we met, I remember on Wednesday we met. And I remember a little bit of what y'all mentioned what's going on but i tell you what the lord said the lord said tell tell the man the woman said tell them that what what has been i don't want to say the lord's just saying catch it, it, it's catching up now this is a good catch up that there have been some things that that have been lost and some things that have been uh been exasperated in recent weeks and months and it is time to be made whole it is time that that's it to be made whole that that you've done your best you've done everything you've known to do but you're not you're not whole not in the sense that you're not right people I'm not even talking about an emotional sense as much as I'm, I'm just talking about life needs to become whole because there was loss that took place there was depletion that took place and God says it's time for that to be made whole when the thief is caught he must restore at least twofold and the Lord says the thief's been caught for what it has been stolen and the Lord says double needs to come in order to make you and complete you and to be whole so Lord do that right now let, let wholeness come in the name of Jesus. There have been those who have said, don't do it. It isn't wise. The Lord says, I'm breaking the influence of those words off of you right now. Words that were meant to defile and to detour. The Lord says, I'm breaking the power of those words and declaring that destiny is at hand. Do not be discouraged in well-doing. You will reap in due season if you faint not. And the Lord says, your reaping season has come. You had a losing season, a refining season had a testing season and now the Lord says seasons are changing 
and I'm bringing a reaping season into your house. In fact, you will begin to reap where you have not sowed. In areas that you didn't expect to see something come in from, God says, I'm bringing it that you might know it's my hand, it's my will, I've not forgotten, I know where you're at, I'm going to do it. Watch and see if I do not do this thing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. right? I love people that are on new journeys. God loves people who are on new journeys. And it's been a new season and a new journey for you and your, your lovely wife. And, 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 and you've stepped out and you've stepped into some things. And, uh, and whenever there's a new journey, there's always challenges and yes, even battles that have to be faced. The enemy never lets us come into our inheritance without a battle. And so you sense those, those challenges and those battles and and, and there's a good foundation that's here in you and in your household. And the Lord says, the, the time has come to having done all you stand. There, there's been, the Lord says there's been a double-mindedness. I break that now in the name of Jesus. That the double-mindedness has caused the instability. But the Lord says, single-mindedness, son. Single-mindedness. And I will bring you through to a good place. And I will bring you through to destiny. And yes, there are even times that the thing that looks exactly the opposite with your natural eyes are the very thing I am doing in the Spirit, says the Lord. For I am taking you by a way that you know not as well. But I will bring you into a great future, saith the Lord. Yes, yes, it was, it was the step. When you took the step, that's when I boost your future, saith the Lord. That's when faith was evident, saith the Lord. And you're going to begin to see, now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time to faint. Now is not the time to draw back. But now is the time to pursue and to press and to say, I will not settle for anything less than all the promise of God. So the Lord says, Son, I have decreed it to be so. And you shall see it with your eyes. It shall take place. This is your hour. This is coming. When the enemy comes against you, Lord, don't take it. Don't take it as a discouragement. Take it as an honor that he would seek to stop that which God would do. For I have given you more than enough of what you need to prevail and to win and to be more than a conqueror. Yes, say the Lord, I will do this. I will do this even in your house. You're not even going to see the fear go by. 2010. 2010 will not end without you seeing the hand of your God. Prevail and over and, and you to overcome in some amazing, miraculous ways. Step out in faith, and God will not allow faith people to be out there hanging. You will see where God do this thing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, put your hands up real quick. Talk to us, Lord. Talk to us, Lord. Lord, talk to us. 